You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. We've been going through the month of January, and we've been doing little short podcasts with uh, Brother Bernard, who's our general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. And uh, so we're going to do a short podcast with uh, Brother Bernard again this evening, and then we're going to come back and we're going to uh, finish the rest of the Bible study with a lesson on the topic. And we've been going through different topics throughout the month of January, and um, so tonight, um, we're going to listen to Brother Bernard on the little podcast, and then I'll come and minister the word of the Lord, amen, in the rest of the service. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this episode. One of the big debates in Christianity is over whether a believer can lose their salvation. On one side, we have proponents of what is known as the doctrine of eternal security, or what's sometimes euphemistically referred to as once saved, always saved. And on the other side, we have what's known as conditional security. What exactly do those terms mean, first of all, and on what side of the debate do oneness Pentecostals fall? And maybe most importantly, or definitely most importantly, what's the Bible have to say about this question? Well, let's talk about the the views you've expressed, the idea of unconditional eternal security or once saved, always saved is that once a person is saved, no matter what they do in their Christian life, no matter what sins they commit, whether they repent of those sins or not, they're still going to be saved in the end. Um, I don't believe that's biblical. That is Calvinist. Um, and it's not, uh, what Pentecostals believe either. Uh, we, what I would like to describe is we can have assurance of salvation. So it's conditional in the sense that if you, even after you're saved, if you repudiate God, if you walk away from God, if you denounce God, you break the relationship. No, you're not going to be saved. But if you continue to walk by faith, and even though you might sin, but immediately as First John uh, chapter 1 talks about it, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus uh, cleanses us from all sins. First um, John chapter 2, uh, sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if we live our daily life, we can live a holy life. Uh, if we do sin, we can immediately be convicted of that and ask God to forgive us and continue to walk by faith and walk in holiness so that we don't have to worry, well, am I saved today or am I lost today? If I die today, am I going to be saved or am I lost? Or 
I was saved this morning, but I'm lost this afternoon, and hopefully I'll be saved this evening. No, you don't have to have that uncertainty. You can have assurance, which is described most eloquently in Romans chapter 8, that absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we ourselves can walk away from the relationship, but no external force, no demonic force, no power can separate us from the love of God. And the same chapter, Romans 8 says, there's no condemnation to those uh, who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So I would say the biblical view and our Pentecostal view is called assurance of salvation. So we're saved. We can know we're saved. We can live a saved life. We can live in relationship with God. If we do something that breaks that relationship, we can confess, repent, and continue in that relationship. Uh, But to say that someone can sin uh, and have no regard for their sin and have no repentance and no desire to it, and still they're going to be saved, uh, that's simply false. That's contrary to Scripture in many ways. I would start With the positive affirmation of Scripture, if you go to Romans chapter 1, it says, quoting from Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. So the righteous lives by faith. Um, In fact, the classic statement, Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Believeth, uh, the King James, that is the present tense, believes. And in the Greek, the, um, the present tense is continuous. You could literally say, is believing. And continue to say, they shall go from faith to faith. And then uh, verse uh, Romans 1, 17, as I've already quoted, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. And that is originally in Habakkuk. It's quoted in Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews. So four times in Scripture, it's obviously quite significant. In other words, we're saved by faith, but faith is not just a point in time. Faith is a relationship. Faith is a way of life. Uh, So that implies or that states as long as we are in a relationship of faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, then we are saved. Uh, And of course, that presupposes we're letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives. That presupposes that because the Spirit is working in our lives, it issues forth in holiness. So Hebrews 12, 14 says to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So there, there is this understanding that when you're living by faith, you'll be in an ongoing pursuit of holiness. You'll be in right relationship with God and you'll be in right relationship with people. Well, the flip side of that would be, what if you don't pursue holiness? What if you don't pursue a relationship with God? What if you're not living by faith? Well, then, no, you're not in a saving relationship. Uh, So I think it's essential to understand the whole of Scripture is speaking of salvation is not just one point in time, not just one verbal confession, or even one new birth experience, but it's a relationship with God. It's a daily life of faith. And as long as we are maintain that relationship, yes, we're saved. But just as we had a choice by God's grace, we have a choice to accept salvation or not. We still have that choice after we're born again. Our choice is not obliterated. We still have 
the ability to choose. And if we consciously, deliberately, intentionally, decidedly walk away from that relationship with God, well, then we're no longer in the, the saving relationship. And somebody says, well, once a son, always a son. That's true, but a son can be disowned. So I have three children. They will always be my children no matter what they do. I will always love them no matter what they do. But if one of my adult uh, children comes to me and says, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm never coming home for Christmas. I'm never going to have a relation with you. I want nothing to do with you. Well, even though they're my son, they're no longer going to enjoy the benefits of a relationship. They're no longer going to have fellowship and I can disinherit them for my will. And so they will not um, inherit any uh, enjoy in this life or later. They will not enjoy any of the benefits of that relationship because of their choice. So even though we as a Christian can't be unborn, if we are baptized in Jesus name, filled with the Holy Ghost, that's a permanent reality that happened. That can never be done away with. But we could walk away from our present relationship with God, and so we won't enjoy the benefits of what happened when we were born again because we forfeited them. We've denounced them. Now, Scripture is full of examples, and I can just give you a few. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the gospel, and Paul says, here is the gospel. Here's the good news that saves you if you keep in memory what I preach to you unless you believe in vain. So it's possible to believe, to start out in faith, but eventually it becomes in vain because you do not continue. Uh, Romans chapter 11 talks about how Israel um, lost their position with God and talks about how the, the Gentiles, the church has been grafted in. But the same uh, chapter goes on to say, be careful that you don't fall into unbelief as the majority of the Jews did. And because if God didn't save, and he uses the analogy of the tree, didn't save the original branches, but cut them off. Well, be careful because God could cut you off and behold the goodness and severity of God. So if you have faith in God, you experience his grace. But if you reject God, you could be cut off. Now, Romans 11 is not written to sinners. It's written to Christians. It's saying, be careful. If you fall into unbelief, then you too be, will be cut off. You will experience the severity of God. Second uh, Peter, uh, the whole book really, but especially chapter two talks about people have known the truth, experienced the truth, enjoyed the grace of God, and then walk away from them. It, it says it would have been, it's not just talking about sinners because it says it would be have been better for them not to have known the truth then to know the truth and then walk away from it. And it uses the proverb, um, it's like a, a pig wallowing in the mire, a, a dog going back to its vomit. And so it had been better for them not to have known the truth than to know the truth and walk away from it. Uh, James chapter 5 similarly talks about if there's a brother who sins and you can restore that brother, you've saved someone from death. You've saved them from judgment. So those are just a few quick examples that come to mind, but you could easily come up with 20 or 30 passages of Scripture that talk about a warning if you were to fall away, uh, that judgment will come. And so uh, certainly it's not any limitation on God's grace, but God doesn't take away our freedom of choice. Um, 
you know, love requires choice or it's not love. So God wants us to love him, which means he wants us to choose him freely. Uh, but it is possible for a person to be born again, but in the future decide, no, they really don't want a relationship with God and they fall away from God. God respects that choice, but that choice has consequences. And that choice will be, uh, if they persist, it will be eternal judgment. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st. Amen. I don't know about you. I want to keep my relationship with God good. Amen. I want to keep it growing. I want to keep my relationship with God growing. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Matthew chapter 7. And um, just going to read a, a, a few scriptures here as we, as we go into this lesson. Uh, because I think it's important for us to um, talk a little bit about what uh, Brother Bernard has just shared. So I'm going to use some scripture, and um, I'm going to. I'll begin with verse 24, seven and 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Um, of course, the Lord uses parables in a lot of instances to share truths with us about his word. He uses that in many occasions. And so what's happening, Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount, that's maybe one of the most powerful sermons and full of detail sermons that the Lord ever spoke. And from there, he goes down from the mountain and he begins to, his walking towards the cross. And he's preparing. And in that uh, closing of the sermon, after the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about two builders uh, and um, he's sharing this parable, this story, of the two builders, and uh, they're going to settle down, and they're going to build a house. And one of the builders uh, looks, and um, he, he sees the process of, you know what, here's easy digging, here's, uh, here's sandy ground, I'm, I'm just going to do a little bit of what's necessary, and I'm going to build my house. And he says the second builder finds the rock. The rock is, that's the permanent foundation. That's the, the shore foundation. That's the uh, making sure that everything's going to be okay. Um, so he gives the example. He gives the example of, of the, the foolish and uh, of the wise. He uses those terms. And then he speaks about um, 
It's the same storm, the same winds, the same problem, the same situation, the same circumstances hits both of the builders in the parable. And you can see, uh, you can see, and he used, and you can look back at Old Testament prophets and stories to see how uh, things like this was um, clarified, importance of. So, for example, if you go to the story of King Saul, he was to make sure that he destroyed all the Amalekites. And King Saul saves Agag, he saves the sheep, the best ones, he, and at the end of the situation, that comes back to be a problem to King Saul and his demise. And you see in that passage of that story, uh, he's confronted by the prophet, and the prophet says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh, uh, well, you know what? I was just keeping the best. I was just going to do it this way, my way, and I was going to sacrifice them unto God. And the prophet says, listen, that's not what you were told to do. You see Old Testament examples of things like that. And Jesus goes through the Sermon on the Mount, and I mean, there's weeks and weeks of study in that sermon, but he ends that sermon with going into this parable. And it's not just a neat little story. He's, he's, he's talking about um, these two builders, and they both have the same opportunity. They both are given the same requirements. They're both going to build a house, and one decides to do it the right way, and one decides to do it their own way. And when we think about that mentality then it brings us to the realization of our walk with God, relationship with God, and whether we can have an assurance in being saved. The insufficiency of just hearing the word of God and not doing the word of God will lead me down a pathway that when the storms come, and they will come, life will send its circumstances I won't have what's necessary to survive. But when you and I uh, have the necessity, we see the requirement, we understand the obedience of God's word, and we put that into our thinking, there's an assurance that comes that when you're following the word of God, you can know that you're saved. Hear me tonight. You can lay down your head at night knowing that if you didn't wake you can know where you're going folks that's an assurance that's a peace of mind that's an obedience to God's Word that you're not doing it your way his way God's way obedience is better than sacrifice well you know what if I just if I just do this and do that, I could... Uh, have you ever heard anyone say this? If I won the lotto, I'd give all this money to the church. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Obedience is better than sacrifice. 
The understanding that Jesus is not worrying about people being good carpenters and building houses. He's worrying about the obedience of them building the house properly. When it comes to our walk with God, it's not about what's going to get me by. There's no such thing as making it to heaven by the skin of your teeth. That doesn't, that's not how it works. This word of God is my roadmap. It's my direction. It's the necessity of me following what his word is saying. It is impossible, church, to claim to be a Christian who loves and serves Jesus Christ but refuses to hear and obey the word of God. Did you hear what I said? It's impossible for me to call myself a Christian and not follow his word. The whole meaning behind the word Christian is to be Christ-like. It is an oxymoron to claim to follow a leader but refuse to follow where the leader is leading. If I want to be where the Lord is, I have to follow what he's given me in his word to make sure I get there. Well, you know, so-and-so this or so. It doesn't matter what so-and-so says. It doesn't matter what so-and-so believes. It matters what the Word of God says. That's the foundation. That's the rock. That's the surety that when the storm comes, you're going to be okay. This is the words from uh, Ezekiel concerning uh, hearing and, and doing the words. And you see this in Ezekiel 33. And they, and they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit uh, before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but with their heart goeth after their covetousness. Ezekiel is saying it's not about even what people say. It's about what they do. It's not about even what I claim or profess. It's in my action and deed. What, what am I trying to say? Here's the deal. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christian that don't have relationship with God. So the word Christian, the title Christian, does not signify whether I have a relationship with the Almighty God. What is proof of that action is the following of His Word. The hunger and the thirsting after righteousness is what causes me to be filled. It's the seeking first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added. It's God in the center of my life and not when it's convenient. I'm not only married when it's convenient. <laughs> I'm just checking to see if she's looking. Oh, I have to tell you a little story. So I decided for Christmas that I was going to buy my wife 
a thing called Adventure Challenge. I had no idea what it entailed. All I heard about it was from my daughter-in-law that it was good and I needed to buy it. That should have been my first clue. Adventure Challenge is 50 challenges that are not uncovered. You got to scrape off to see what's underneath. And before you scrape off, you decide that that's what you're going to do as a couple. So we decided we're going to do an adventure challenge. And so we're ready, scrape off what it's going to do. And here's what it told us that we needed to do. We needed to go to a thrift store, buy each other an outfit without the other person seeing or trying it on. Put it on and go out in the city, town, for an outing and get a stranger to take our picture. So off we go to Value Village. Patsy was there. It was senior day. And um, we're endeavoring to find each other an outfit. We had to buy three items without the other person seeing or trying it on. So we bought each other an outfit. We came back to the church. We put our outfits on. Amazingly, they fit. And off we went bowling. Well, I'll tell you, it was a quite a sight. We have pictures to prove it because we got a stranger to take our picture. Now, let me tell you, the idea behind that is they say that you would never do it if it wasn't for this challenge. Now, who would think of coming up with something like that just out of the blue and you say, we're going to have a night out. This is how we're going to do it. I'm not only married when it's convenient. Now, I have to tell you, I better tell the rest of the story because she'll, she'll make sure on the way home that I... We played four games. She beat me two out of, out of the four, and we tied one. So she's got a bowling outfit for life. We had fun because we are in relationship for the past 35 years, 33 married. We've been in relationship. We are in relationship. It's the way it is. I don't have to figure out whether we're married. There's an assurance. Got the certificate. Well, what about our relationship with God? It's not when I'm in need. It's not on Sunday. It's not when it's, it's a, a, a cool thing to do or it's a, you know, it's a, it's a thing to do when everyone else is doing it. No, no, no. Your relationship with God is what gives you an assurance that you know where you're going. And it's based upon your obedience to his word. It's not based upon our perfection. It's not based upon how good we are, how much uh, money you have, where you live, uh, what job you have. It's not based on any of those things. Uh, it's based upon that you want to please him, uh, and he died for you, uh, and you're going to live for him. It's based upon your obedience to his word.
the necessity of obeying God's word will demonstrate faith through your obedience. Obedience to God is necessary first because Jesus Christ commanded it. If ye love me, he said, keep my commandments. Our obedience to God demonstrates our faith in God in living for him, worshiping him, serving him, spending time with him, praying to him, reading his word. You can put all kinds of things in there. It demonstrates how much you love him. Listen, if we believe something to be true, we will act according uh, we will act accordingly because, because uh, demonstration will make what we believe to be true, true. If I truly love God, it will come out in my action. It will. It will be proven in what I do in private and not just what I do in public. It'll be proven that whether I'm feeling like it or I don't feel like it, I'm going to serve him. It'll be proven in whether I feel like praying or I don't feel like praying. I've got to spend time with him because I'm in relationship with him. So this, is, this is what I'm talking about being a Christian. Christians not attending church. It's not about... Uh, you know, making sure I come to the house of God once, twice, three times a week. Or, it's not, that's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is how you serve him on Monday and how you interact with him on Tuesday and how you spend time with him on Wednesday. What makes you a Christian is your relationship with him. That's what gives you an assurance of peace and contentment and joy and fulfillment that's what gives you a relationship of knowing that you can lay your head down at night knowing that you're saved folks that's the difference of what people are dealing with in our world today hopelessness loneliness overwhelmness all those things are i mean they are consuming people and the reason is the relationship with God is nil or it's stagnant. But when you love the other party enough to go to Value Village and get an outfit that you probably never wear again <laughs> and go out in public and go bowling. <laughs> there wasn't anyone there, thank the Lord. When you love someone that much in the natural, can you imagine how exciting it gets in the spiritual? 
when it doesn't matter what circumstances you're involved in today, you've got time set aside to make sure your relationship with him is valued. You make sure your talking with him is up to date. It makes sure that you've got some time in his word. Let me tell you, there's an assurance that comes to your spirit that it doesn't matter what you face today, tomorrow, or next week. There's something down inside that says, I've got my mind made up. I've got an assurance that I'm going to walk with him no matter what happens. I've got a joy in my heart that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. Oh, I know it's supposed to be Wednesday. I should be a little calmer. The Lord uses, I'll just quickly, in in closing, the Lord uses another parable, and he uses the parable of the talents. And Jesus, uh, he's relating this principle, and you can find it in Matthew 25. I won't read all the scriptures, but Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. And he relates what is known as the parable of the talents. And Jesus is telling the story, and he says there's, there's a man who's preparing to leave on a distant journey, and uh, he's anticipating that he's going to be gone for a while, and he distributes talents to his three servants. Again, it's a parable. He's telling a story to teach a truth. Um, a talent was a large sum of money. Some scholars believe that uh, one talent was equivalent to 20 years of wages. So the one that was given five talents, it would be equivalent to 100 years of wages. That's what some scholars believe. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of money, 100 years of wages. Um, and you go down to five talents, two talents, one talent. And after a long time, the Bible, in the, in the parable, he returns and he's settling the accounts with the three servants, the one who had received five. He returned, the master sees him, and he has five additional talents. And, and the one who had received uh, two, he has two more, now has four. And, and the one who had one, the Bible says he hid the talent instead of investing it. And the Bible says he, the reasoning is he was, he was afraid and went and hid the talent in the earth. And he was scared of losing it. That was the basis behind it. And, and the Lord, he does not measure the outcome of their lives because of the production but rather on the obedience of what he told them to do before he left. So, I'll explain. The one who had the five talents was not more important than the one who had the one. He was given it based upon his abilities, not based upon importance. So him doubling it and making it ten was not what impressed God. It was the obedience to what he was asked to do while he was away. And he calls the one that went and hid the one a wicked servant. He had the ability to make it two, but was unwilling to obey 
the instruction given. So, how is that relevant? Well, listen, you can have all the knowledge necessary. You can have all the possibilities. You can have all the opportunities and still not obey. What's that mean? Well, you can have a church to come to. You can be preached to on a regular basis. You can have the freedom of reading His Word on a daily basis. You have access to the Father anytime you want and not take advantage of following through and obeying. That will bring the demise of what you have available to you feeling like you have relationship with God. You can come to an apostolic Pentecostal church all your life and not be saved. It will take the obedience to his word to bring you into relationship with him. Now what's so awesome is you may never have been here before. You may... You, I mean, it, it may be that this is a first time, second time, tenth time. It doesn't matter how many times. It's the obedience to, I'm coming into relationship with him. I'm going to make sure I've got to walk with him. I'm going to make sure that my, my, uh, my heart is right with him. That's what's going to matter. It's not whether you've been in church 50 years, 10 years, or 10 minutes. None of those things matter. It, what matters is the obedience to his word that's why God is no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. His mercy is everlasting. His grace is sufficient. His love is not something he does, but it's something that he is. Let me tell you, your relationship with him can bring you in assurance that you know you are his. <sighs> Man. Okay. The blessing for obedience is not based upon yours or my production. It's based upon yours and my obedience. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, he says this, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Some people worry because they feel they don't qualify, they're not good enough, they'll never attain. Some people get caught up in comparing themselves amongst other people, and the Bible tells us that's unwise. Some people feel like, you know what, I don't deserve it, don't, I'm not worthy of it. Listen, if it came down to those types of things, not one of us sitting in this room tonight would qualify. Not one. But what's so awesome, it's not based upon whether you and I are good enough, whether we can earn it. It's not based upon how much you've done and how much you haven't done. Not based upon any of those things. What it is based upon is whether you're going to obey his word. 
And if you get yourself into an obedience to his word, it has no bearing on where you were born, who you're born to, what culture you are, what language you speak, how long you've been in church or how long you haven't been. None of those things will qualify whether you or I are good enough. What matters is, is the obedience to his word. And as soon as you and I decide that we're going to obey his word, something happens in our spirit when it comes to our relationship with him. I decided a little over 33 years ago I was going to get married. I married a little woman that I loved. And I love her more today than I even did then. We are in relationship. You don't fall in love and you don't fall out of love. No such thing. Love is something that grows. And the longer I'm with her, the more I love her. Give me a big smile. It's so true. Well, you know what? That's the way it is in the natural. It's even more powerful in the spiritual. Because someone died for me so that I could live for him. He took away my sin and gave me a reason to live. And my love for him has grown Day by day, year by year. And it gets sweeter every day because I'm in relationship with him. And when I lay my head down at night, I can know and have an assurance of my relationship with him being right. What a peace it brings. Listen, the only reason I can't sleep at night is because I'm praying for you. If I wake up in the middle of the night, God wants me to pray for someone or talk to me, that's it. I go to bed to sleep. I usually don't have any problem sleeping unless God wants to talk or you need prayer. Because there's a peace in my spirit about my walk with him. Oh, I can't tell you how beautiful it is. People all across this room have the same feeling. Aren't you thankful for your relationship with God? The world can be in an absolute turmoil, but you can be at peace. Everything can be happening around you that seems like it's upside down, and you can be content. Aren't you thankful? Knowing that you are saved. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.